Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that I've grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. Hillary Knight is my guest this week. She's an Olympic gold medalist, two-time Olympic silver medalist, seven-time world champion, arguably the best female hockey player in the world. She's an outspoken advocate for gender equality. She is changing the landscape for women when it comes to sports and investing. She recently invested in the digital platform Just Women Sports. She joined Kevin Durant and WNBA star Elena Deladon on that investment. We'll find out how she got into hockey, how she's trying to get more girls into hockey, and how she's preparing for the Beijing Winter Olympics in February. That's all coming up on our show today. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing good. And, you know, anytime we can talk hockey, I am in love. And Hillary's one of the best, if not the best. And I enjoyed watching her through the Olympics and U.S. women's team. And like you said in that intro, she's got so much more going on besides hockey. So just a great interview with her. She's just really open and candid and uh, good conversation. Yeah, the first female skater, non-goalie, to practice with an NHL team ever. She practiced with the Anaheim Ducks. So she can more than hold her own. She's 5'11", and uh, you know she didn't mess around out there on the ice. She's a great leader. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation today. All right, let's look at some headlines, Griggs. The NBA playoffs, the Suns, my hometown, Phoenix, the Suns advanced to the first Western Conference final in 11 years for them. I'm excited that Chris Paul is finally getting his deep playoff run. I think this is the first time he's ever been to the Western Conference Finals. He was on those Clippers teams that were good. You know, he got to the playoffs with New Orleans, uh, got to the playoffs with Oklahoma City, but this is by far, I think, the best team he's been on. He and Devin Booker have been the best backcourt in the NBA. They're playing great defense. They swept right through Denver. And uh, they'll play the winner of the Clippers and Utah at this taping. It's 2-2 in that series. So the Suns are going to have some nice time off to rest. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a good Western Conference Finals. And like we said on our show last week, I'm just glad there's some new players and some new blood in the NBA playoffs. 100%. I would love to see Booker v. uh, Donovan Mitchell. I think that'd be fun in Western Conference Finals. And like you said, Chris Paul is just... He's balling like he's never balled. That game four, when he was trying to close it out and they did, he was just making every shot. He had a run in the third quarter. I think he had like six shots in a row. So he's fun to watch. He's such an awesome leader. You can see him just taking the younger players and just telling them what to do. It's fun to see. 
So really, if I'm the execs at ABC for the finals, I'm happy with any combination of the remaining teams other than probably Utah and Atlanta. I'm probably not thrilled about a Utah Atlanta NBA finals, but anyone else, I mean, you've got some big markets left. Phoenix is a big market. You've got Brooklyn, you've got Philadelphia, you know, obviously Atlanta is a big market. So there's some big markets left, the LA, the Clippers. So I I think there's potential for good matchups. You know, even a team like Milwaukee, they're not a big market, but they've got Giannis and they've got some superstars on their team, Drew Holiday. So um, I think it's a good recipe for the remaining NBA playoffs. And, you know, the ratings have been up. So the first round of the NBA playoffs, the highest rated uh, first round in three years. So they're trending up. They're definitely up from last year. So that's a good sign for the NBA as well and their broadcast partners. Yeah, for sure. Um, how about Brooklyn, though? I mean, they're dropping like flies. Their, uh, their big three is now down to big one. So uh, we'll see what happens if uh, if Harden and Kyrie can't go much further. But uh, Durant's going to have to really pull that team through. And that's becoming a good series. It is. And, and give Milwaukee credit. They did what they were supposed to do. They went to their home court. They protected it. And, you know, they always say a series doesn't start until you've got the... Uh, you know, win on the road. So we'll see if either of these teams can break through and win on the road. Uh, The NHL Stanley cup playoffs. What do we have? We have uh, Montreal and Vegas. So they're the first Canadian team in 15 months to come to the United States. They came to Las Vegas. That's always quite the show in Las Vegas, the golden Knights. Um, And then you've got Tampa and the New York Islanders in the other bracket. So it's the final four for hockey. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs are averaging 832,000 viewers through the first 14 games across NBC, NBCSN, CNBC, and digital. It's up 10% from 2020, up 16% from 2019. So good numbers for uh, the NHL and their broadcast partner as well, Griggs. Yeah, NHL playoffs are always so fun. You get lots of overtime. You get lots of action. Crowds are back. Fun having a uh, Canadian team, Montreal, in the mix. Vegas is always a great market and fun to watch. And Tampa's been fun, too. And then you got New York. So I think it's a great Final Four. So I'm watching for sure. And does anyone do a better job of game ops than the Vegas Golden Knights? I mean, that pregame, that intro is just... I mean, you would expect that from Vegas, right? Because they do shows all the time, but it is really something to see. They could put that in the MGM as like a normal show and buy tickets to to go see it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's totally true. All right. Our last headline, this is more of a somber note, but it does have a a good ending. Denmark player Christian Eriksson, his condition is still stable after he suffered a cardiac arrest and collapsed during his side's Euro 2020 opening match against Finland on Saturday. Griggs broadcasters put in an odd position because they want to keep the audience informed of what's going on, but you also don't want to show something like that. So he literally collapses, goes down in cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, His teammates form like a human shield around him. So the medics can work on him without the broadcasters and the fans seeing just a, a terrible scene. It reminded me, I was the broadcaster on March 4th, 1990 when Hank gathers Uh, collapsed and died at Loyola Marymount in the WCC tournament. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. And when I saw Christian Erickson go down, it reminded me of Hank Gathers. I'm glad that Christian Erickson is still with us and there's a better outcome. Hank Gathers didn't survive, but just a horrific scene, something you never want to see anywhere. And, uh, you know, the reaction uh, told the story by the players. I mean, there were players crying and they postponed the game as they should, but uh, just a terrible situation. So I hope he uh, gets better. 
Yeah, it uh, was a shocking. I was watching the game and I was like, that did not look good. And, you know, credit to the doctors there on scene because they basically saved his life and got him to the hospital alive and awake. So fascinating and, and scary moment. And thank God he's, he's still ticking and working and getting through this. But, uh, man, it was uh, it was a scary moment for sure. Last thing, U.S. Open this weekend at Torrey Pines. Griggs, who do you like? I mean, you got to say Phil's riding high. I think he's going to play well, but uh, man, the field is just so good. I mean, he's just got so many good players. I still want JT to pull through, so I'm kind of pulling for him, but uh, man, Phil's just riding high. I think he's going to play good. Yeah, and he loves that course. I mean, that's his area, Torrey Pines. So you would think if if ever, you know, Phil was going to pull out another major, this would be a good place for him to do it. I think Jordan Spieth is someone to watch here. I mean, he's played just well enough, but not you know, well enough to win uh, a major for a while, but I think he might break through here, but I do like Phil on this course and, you know, he's got a lot of confidence from winning the PGA championship. So we will see, are you going to watch? Oh yeah. Torrey Pines is always a watchable course, no matter what's going on. So I love that course. And like you said, it's Phil's backyard. So he's, he's used to it. So it's going to be fun. It's all, it's a, the majors are always great in golf. You and I love those. So uh, I will be watching the whole weekend. Yep. All right. Hillary Knight, arguably the greatest female hockey player in the world. She joins me next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. We've collaborated with our friends at Parish Project to create high-quality sports business radio clothing, including hoodies, long-sleeve T-shirts, and short-sleeve T-shirts. Each item comes in five different colors and a variety of sizes. These items are super comfortable, and you can wear them on Zoom calls, while working out, or when you're lounging around the house. Sports Business Radio has loyal listeners around the world. We'd love for you to post a picture rocking your Sports Business Radio gear. Tag us on Instagram or Twitter if you post. Get your official Sports Business Radio gear by going online to parishproject.com. That's parishproject.com. P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. My guest is Hillary Knight. She's an Olympic gold medalist, seven-time world champion, arguably the best female hockey player in the world, first female skater to practice with an NHL team. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Hillary Knight. Hillary, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is exciting. Um, tell our audience how you got your start in hockey. I know you grew up with brothers, but I have a daughter, and ice hockey is not – like the sport that a lot of little girls are saying, Hey, that's what I want to play when I'm five years old. So we're trying to change that. I'm actively trying to change that, but um, no, I actually, I come from a skiing family and um, it was just one of these geographic moves where we went from California to Illinois. And my mom was like, what do, what sports do the kids play here? And so that was a way to get introduced to other kids in the community and sort of make friends. Um, as, as we moved to a new spot, but I think I'm lucky because my parents knew absolutely nothing about ice hockey. So I didn't have those overbearing, like sport hockey parents that were like, you need to do this. Um, but I think to be honest, just being the oldest of my, of, of three younger brothers too. Um, it just forced me to excel, you know, cause I, I, I was like, I need to be the best cause I'm the oldest. Uh, regardless if I was playing on an all boys team or whatnot. So I'm uh, fortunate we made the move and I couldn't imagine if we went anywhere else, what I would be doing right now. (laughs) 
I was reading on your website, your personal website, that your grandma expressed some concerns about you playing ice hockey, but your mom was like, no, girls can play ice hockey. What is it meant to have the support of your family in this journey? Yeah. And, and from that, I think it's unique and, and I'm so fortunate, thankful and lucky. Um, but to have, as you can see, sort of the strong female presence and role model just in home um, was pivotal for me. And, you know, I don't necessarily always remember the conversations that my mom had with uh, my grandmother, but that was one that definitely sticks out because it was like, yeah, like I'm going to do this. Um, and I think that's what's special about our family is it didn't really matter the gender. It was just like, if you're going to go there, you better show up, work as hard as you can and try to make the team better. And, um, you know, I think a little caveat of being the only girl sometimes on all boys teams, I definitely felt other pressures, but in our family, it was just, just be the best, whatever that looks like. I don't care if you're playing, you know, junior sports, Olympics, world championships, Winning seven championships is hard at any level. Yeah. How do you continue to get up for the challenge of winning more championships after you've already won one or two? Because I've talked to a lot of athletes and it's so easy to fall back into the, well, I've done that. I checked that box. I don't need to win anymore. To win seven is crazy. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's hard to stay hungry when you're full. I think okay. that's kind of what we, we talk about, um, you know, amongst us as veterans who have really essentially accomplished everything in the sport, which is remarkable. But I think that's what gets me and my fellow teammates out of bed. It's like we, we want to win. And um, what we did last year, the year before, and obviously COVID, maybe two years ago now, um, feels like it's so it was yesterday and you're waking up and it's a 50, 50 draw and you just have to be ready to show up and you do your best away from the rink to prepare yourself for your successes on ice. And it doesn't always fall the way you want it to, but um, you know, I've been fortunate to be on the, the winning side of a few more championships than my opponents. You're a great leader. You're one of the leaders of team USA. What are the leadership qualities? If someone's listening to this, they're a CEO, they're an athlete, they're a parent. What are the leadership qualities that you think are essential for being successful? Yeah. And I think this is an interesting question because I think, um, you know, a lot of people, when they you say leadership, they think of um, these really eccentric, extroverted individuals that are pounding their chest and razzing everyone else up. And that's not necessarily the case. And that's something that took me a while to figure out is how do I fit into this as I'm becoming an older player within our amazing team and amazing group of women. Um, how do I lead? What does that look like? And um, sometimes it's just leading by example, which I think is probably one of the hardest things to do is you wouldn't ask someone else to do something that you couldn't do or wouldn't be willing to do yourself. And um, I think it's just being a good citizen and, and making sure that you're doing all the little things, right? So when push comes to shove, you know, there's, there's no excuses and um, the responsibility is shared, but a big understanding of you are essentially serving your teammates or your group, and you want to bring the best out of one another and whatever that looks like for that individual person, because we're all different by nature. Um, that's just what you do. Hillary, what are your game day rituals? I always find it fascinating to hear from athletes. Like what are the game day rituals? Do you have certain rituals that you go through as you're getting ready for competition? Definitely. And it feels like so long ago. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think um, the way I prepare with the U.S. team is different than the pro circuit, and that's probably why I've had more success on the U.S. side. <laughs> but um, no, it's just making sure that I, you know, you get into a new tournament, you're probably in a different location, you're definitely not at home, so there's really no home ice advantage, so to speak. Um, so you just figure out your routine within the hotel and whether that's taking naps, listening to certain music. Um, I try to clear my, my actual like schedule. So I'm not doing anything that doesn't revolve around our team or in our little sphere, um, and create a bubble, so to speak of my, my intentions and what I want to focus on. But if I can fit in a nap, a solid pregame meal and get some uh, good tunes going on the bus, I'm all good. What's the uh, pregame meal? usually what do you like to have yeah so it depends where we are but um i'm extremely picky so <laughs> uh, i have a very like finicky stomach on game day so um recently just with quarantines and covid protocols and stuff we've been making a lot of meals in our hotel rooms and so i've just brought along an electric kettle and i've just been making a lot of oatmeal sort of on the go or overnight oats and just been going with that because it's um you know, it's sort of that comfort food for me that I'm able to make and pack different packets. Even if we're going over to China um, or we're staying here in North America, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. So you've got trials uh, coming up. Walk me through that, because like you just said, the pandemic comes, it changes all the training and preparation. What does that look like? I mean, I've interviewed people on this show in the last year who are using like water bottles as, as weights yeah. in their home because they couldn't get weights. And, you know, they're just walking around their neighborhood because they can't go work out anywhere. What have you been doing? Yeah. So, you know, I wish I had uh, sort of the, the premonition of what COVID was going to look like with the stock market and invested money that way. But I sort of saw this thing coming along and I was like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be bad. Um, and I was able to order a bunch of stuff from rogue, uh, and build my own garage gym at home. Wow. And I, yeah. I worked with uh, my strength coach and I was like, Hey, like, what do I need? And, and getting those things together. And so I, I'm lucky in that way that the first few weeks of quarantine, I was filling a backpack full of like logs to do squats and like things like that. And then I could always go run up a mountain because I was home in Idaho. But um, I was I was really fortunate to be able to build my own setup and sort of cater to my needs. However, you know, without having that U.S. competition and, and opportunity in the last, I don't even know, I think the last time was a rivalry series in February of, you know, the previous year. Um, it's tough. You know, we're a team sport. It's not like I can just like go crushed at the gym and expect to be a seamless transition with the rest of my teammates. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be prepared for the opportunity whenever it comes, but um, it's just, it's been a very different year and it's been very challenging for team sports. Yeah. How do you stay close with some of your teammates? Are you doing Zooms, phone calls, texts? Yeah. At the beginning, we were doing a lot of Zooms, Zoom workouts, um, you know, and you just have friends. Naturally, you're texting them, calling them. If you're going through a hard time, FaceTime, um, you know, whatever. But then it sort of became old, right? I think we we just spent so much time on Zoom that we're like, oh, we have to do another Zoom call or right. a, another one of these. So um, I think the less rehearsed stuff has, has given us better chemistry over the long run than the, the actual like check-ins. But at the same time, at the beginning of this thing, um, to have a constant check-in with people, even if you were dreading a workout together, it was nice afterwards to hang on for a few minutes and just touch base. World championship or Olympic gold, which means more? 
Oh my gosh. I think it depends. Um, you know, I think the, the 2017 world championship holds a extremely special place uh, to all of us, just because what we had to overcome off the ice in order to have that victory on the ice. Um, but it's also, we were chasing that elusive gold medal, the Olympic gold medal for so many years and to, to be new in Vancouver and lose, you're like, Oh, I can come back. And then you're looking around the room thinking there's less women here that I was in Vancouver with. Like it's hard to come back and do this again. So what a unique opportunity and be ready for a win in Sochi. And then to have it sort of just slip through our fingers as it did was just heartbreaking. Um, and so to come back four years later and, just absolutely crush it. And in the fashion that we did with the team that we had, it was extremely special. Um, so maybe if I win another Olympic gold, I can give you a better answer on which one feels, feels, uh, you know, heavier, but, um, it just, it really depends on the team and the process that you go through with them. I am not on the front lines like you are of the fight for equal pay. Um, I've had Lindsay Horan from us women's national team on this show, Midge purse, uh, Abby Wambach, where does it stand from where you sit? Are we making any progress? Is it stuck in the mud? Where is this? Uh, I think it just depends on the day and depends on the season. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously for, for hockey, we're behind the times. And I think a lot of that has to do with sort of our insulated culture that we've built just in the sport of ice hockey. So breaking through those barriers, changing behaviors, and really giving women uh, a better and fair shake um, to build a better future. So that's something that I'm involved with, with uh, the PWHPA. We're working on uh, establishing and forming sort of the, the best sustainable professional league where women do make a livable wage and can say, hey, you know, when I sign up as five years old, my dream is to uh, go play professional women's hockey. So that's one, one aspect to it. But you know, in terms of other sports, you watch the WNBA, what they've accomplished. Obviously, they've been around a lot longer um, in the NWSL recently. And I think what was unique about COVID and sort of the silver lining, uh, if you put all the, the deaths and, and the, the mental health aspects aside of just being in quarantine was um, you finally gave women a stage to compete and look how many people tuned in. And historically, watching women's sports, like we have a cult following because it is so hard for our fans to figure out when we're playing, where we're playing and what platform to watch us on. So right. providing that consistency was huge. And um, I think it just, it speaks volumes to what they're doing and hopefully we can follow suit. You recently made an investment in just women's sports. You joined Kevin Durant, Elena Deladon and others in that investment. Why did you invest and what are you hoping this platform becomes? Yeah, I'm hoping the, the platform's already grown tremendously and it was really cool to see just that spike. And I know they took it off for a little bit and then rebranded and came back. Um, and just within a short amount of time, they've been, they've been crushing it. So um, it, it's, it's so special to have a woman-centric platform that is able to tell those stories um, and to have like legitimate content that isn't just like fluff pieces about women's playing women playing sports right they're actually they're in the trenches with us and they want to provide fans um, a better look and behind the scenes and highlights and all that stuff so i'm hoping it continues to grow and um, it's going to be a, a main spot um, to to watch women's sports what do you want to do post-career would you ever want to write those stories tell those stories be a broadcaster like 
be a CEO of a company like that? What are your plans? Have you thought about it? I mean, yeah, the VC space is super interesting. Um, Be able to, you know, learn about different companies in the sports sphere, whether that's sports tech or uh, media, you know, it's, it's all interesting to me. Um, But, you know, broadcasting is definitely of interest for sure. Uh, just because it's easy, right? You just get to talk about the thing that you do and you have done for so many years and you get to explain and and share that joy with other people. So, um, you know, that's definitely on the list, but I think the the pinnacle or the ultimate goal for me would to sort of establish an all women's group and own, you know, an an NHL NHL team and then also a women's pro team. I think that would be be the goal. Um, So really have to make a few more bucks here, but (laughs) working towards that. You know what I want to see? Wayne Gretzky just signed with TNT because TNT is going to be doing NHL games. I want to see you sitting next to Wayne Gretzky providing perspective too. Then we can have two goats on the set at the same (laughs) time. That's what I want to see. I I think you would be fantastic in that role. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, it's, it's almost like sitting on the couch just saying, oh yeah, this is what I think of this game and, you know, sharing it with, you know, you know, millions of other viewers. So that would, that would be a lot of fun. But I got to tell you, there's still, so I have grown up on the West Coast and I love watching hockey, but there's a lot of the nuances of the game that I still don't understand. So, you know, I've watched football, basketball, (laughs) you you play, so I hope you understand. But to have someone explain it, who's played it like you at the level that you've played it would be really helpful. But then, you know, the perspective that you can offer because of the success that you've had on the ice is, is really unique. Yeah. And I I think it just comes down to like how dynamic, obviously we have a ton of roles in hockey um, and you're balancing on these like little knives and it's just who made up the sport. Right. But it's great. It's it's so dynamic. And um, you know, it's so easy to, if you don't know where the puck's going to just, just be overwhelmed with the game and to be able to break it down and explain why maybe a player made that decision there or didn't make that decision there um, is really, really interesting um, within like how it fits in the overall structure of the rules. So I think that's fun is to, to share a passion and maybe get into the, get into a little bit more explanation of, you know, why so-and-so did this or didn't do that. I want to talk about some of your business partnerships. Red Bull is a big partner of yours. How did you start working with them and, and tell us a little bit about that partnership? Yeah, honestly, I, it, it's funny looking back, I don't think I had like any sponsors at the time. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're making peanut butter sandwiches and you're like, how do I continue to chase this Olympic dream? And we haven't won a gold medal yet. And you're just thinking like, nobody cares because we haven't won a gold Olympic medal and all this stuff. And Um, the opportunity to work with Red Bull comes along and I was really intimidated because I'm like, I don't, we're a traditional sport. Right. And I didn't really know how hockey fit in with Red Bull in North America. Obviously Red Bull has hockey teams over in Europe and they're great. And they have a whole training program and stuff and it's wonderful, but it's like, I don't know how I fit into there. So really trying to um, spark a little bit more creative thinking and thinking, okay, like how do I align with what Red Bull is doing? And um, sure enough, you know, my manager came out and um, we went on the ice and then I'm like, okay, like I, I know how I fit in here, uh, which is really cool. And I think it gave me a unique perspective because, you know, I've been so, um, you know, entrenched in thinking we're a traditional sport. This is how we do things to really opening up my horizons and saying, okay, there's, there's a little bit more creativity that we can infuse. Um, and then also to align with a, a company that, 
has, um, you know, amazing values and can create wonderful content and provide more visibility to the sport um, in a unique and fun way is, is always a plus. Bauer makes a lot of sense that you're working with them. Right? Yeah, I mean, hockey company, right? Hockey company. <laughs> but then I got to know about Chipotle. So are you like a diehard Chipotle person? Did you go so to die them? Hard. Did they come to you? How did that come about? So diehard. I go every single day. <laughs> every day. I'm not even kidding you. Every day. Uh, I get you have there. like the little gold card that like Hillary Knight has. Yeah. The, the free card for life. She gets whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, uh, we were down in Florida and I was like, you know what guys, like I just, every time we come to Chipotle, I just, I just need to tag them because I need this. Like I need this, you know, this burrito card, essentially this celebrity <laughs> card. And sure enough, like it just put in the universe. And, uh, a few years later they signed on with, um, USA hockey and, um, you know, I was one of the athletes that they were interested in and it, it's been great. I mean, to get, lunch from Chipotle every single day is just, I feel like that's when you know you made it, right? <laughs> so seriously, like, is that, is it like the black Amex where like, that's part of your deal? You just have the little card and you go in and Hey, I'm Hillary. Here's my card. Like <laughs> lunch is on you today as part of your deal. Like that would be, yeah. I think anyone's favorite restaurant. If you had the ability to just walk in there every day and say, Hey, you're my favorite restaurant. Lunch is on you today. That's pretty cool for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, the celebrity card. Definitely. Um, it's funny because when I first got it, I walked in and I was like so nervous because, you know, you've got your mask on and stuff. I'm like, I don't know how this works. And then I had a little hiccup at the cash register because I don't think they had ever seen one before either. And I'm like, no, like, I swear, like this is supposed to work. And then we ended up scanning it the right way and it was fine. But I was, I was just sweating because I'm like, oh my gosh, they probably think that I'm trying to pull a quick one on them. But, um, no, it's just, it's cool. And now I actually just online order through the app a lot, just um, because I, I hate waiting. So I'm like in, out, and the guy knows me that he just comes by and hands me the bag and I'm on the go. <laughs> You're so frequent that they just already have your, your order. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's the, you mentioned like burrito, they've got bowls. What is your go-to order at Chipotle? Okay. So I, uh, I used to love burrito. I, I make this like kick veggie burrito that was awesome Uh, and then I turned it into a bowl um and then from there they launched the quesadillas and it's been game over with the quesadillas so and what do you have on the quesadilla is it chicken quesadilla is it just veggie quesadilla yeah I just get a plain cheese quesadilla and I load up on the chips and guac and um you know the salsa and the beans and rice and stuff so it's uh yeah, I get the I get the full platter. Sometimes I feel like I'm having a kid's meal, but I don't even care. <laughs> Who cares? When you're an adult, you can do whatever you want, right? Exactly. You can even have like backwards <laughs> dinner if you want. You could have dessert first before dinner. Yep. <laughs> so I uh, have been on your social media and you're very good at social media. The star of your social media is your dog, Bane. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. Okay, yep. so... Bane is adorable. I think for dog lovers anywhere, you know, your social media is worth a follow, not only for you, but for Bane as well. Every once in a while, we get some videos or or pictures of of Bane. What's your strategy with social media? Do you think about it in advance? Do you just pull your phone out and post? I I love to get that answer from uh, athletes. Yeah, I wish I could think about it in advance because that would just be a better way and less stressful way to go about social media. Um, But no, I just try to post when I can. 
And, um, you know, I think for me personally, I get tired of taking all the selfies, but then you have great engagement on selfies and I'm like, oh, people want more selfies. (laughs) It's killing me. But no, I just, it's fun to be able to show sort of a behind the scenes look at what we're doing or what I'm doing. Um, I really cherish the trips with my teammates. So I'm like, I don't have any content just because we haven't gone anywhere together. Um, But no, it's, it's a great way to connect with people all over the world. And now I'm getting a little bit more into TikTok and trying to figure out that platform. And my, you know, I'm getting chirped to do dances and things like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much. But no, I try, I, I try to hit some days and make sure that I have a consistent uh, posting schedule. But um, sometimes it's just on the fly and that's just the way I got to go with it. Do you listen to the incoming or do you turn it off? I know some athletes that are like, I just turn it off. I don't want to hear what's incoming. And other people are like, yeah, I'll, I'll hear what's incoming. No. I just notifications are off unless it's, you know, a friend messaging me through the app or something. And, um, you know, it's crazy. It's the, you'll notice, you know, when we're on TV or we're on a stream, you get this huge bump and stuff coming in. You're just like, okay, like I just need to chill. Um, just cause I think it's, it's super unhealthy to listen to it all. It's yeah. just, there's too much noise out there. Yeah. Walk me through your schedule from now until Beijing. I mean, we don't have to go through the daily schedule, but roughly, what does it look like? Because what is it? February 4th of 2022 is opening ceremonies for Beijing for the Winter Olympics. What does it look like between now and then? Yeah, well, I first have to make the team. So that's like the first, you know, hurdle through all of it. But we have Olympic tryouts um, next week. So this long weekend is going to be tough. Uh, You're just waiting around for Olympic tryouts. and. Um, yeah, once, once, uh, we've had that camp, they'll pick a team and, uh, we have world championships, fingers crossed, hopefully rescheduled in this fall. So that will be our first time together, um, as a group. And then from there, we sort of whittle down our roster to the 23 players that get to go over and represent our country in Beijing. Um, we'll go on tour. I think, I don't know if it's a known term, but we, we call it a residency. So we all will move to a location. And it just so happens to be Minnesota this year um, and train together for the months leading up until the Olympics, which is like the best time because you're just, you're just focusing on hockey. You get to do a lot of fun things with the girls and um, then you're off competing on the world stage together, trying to uh, bring home a victory. Have you been to Beijing? Um, I just flew through there. We have played in China up in Harbin though. So it's a little different. Yeah. What's it like living in the Olympic village? I mean, you know, I, I've again had athletes on who talk about the camaraderie that's built. You meet athletes from different sports. What's that experience like? Yeah. So I've actually had a different experience, um, each Olympic games. Um, so Vancouver, it was just, it was like a kid in the candy shop. You're going to do everything. You're going to try everything. You're going to be sick from all the sugar you just consumed because you're out, you know, doing all the stuff. Um, and then Sochi, we sort of had a team policy where you were confined to your room and the dining hall. And that was kind of it. So people were kind of scared to, to leave our setup. And um, that was almost tougher because you felt very isolated within the village. Um, and then Korea, we went out and we cheered on all the other teams and sports and and whatnot. And that was a lot of fun. And what most people don't understand about, um, the winter games is you have a coastal village and, um, you have a mountain village. So we're in the coastal because we're at sea level. And then you have to travel up to the mountains if you want to watch any of the, the, um, Mm -hmm. mountain sports. And 
it's always an adventure because when you get up there, it's a completely different village and you kind of have to figure it out as you go along. Um, so it was wonderful to be able to do that. We were trying to watch Michaela Schifrin last time through and her races got delayed and it didn't line up with our schedule, but it's just fun to go out there and cheer on fellow um, U.S. athletes. And, and you, you definitely feel like you're, you're part of the greater team. Last question for you. Uh, I have a 16-year-old daughter. She plays sports. For the girls that are out there that play sports, whether they just want to play at their school, whether they want to play at more of an elite level, what's your advice for them? Oh my gosh, just go out there and have fun. I mean, that's, that's, I wouldn't be where I am today um, thinking, you know, I signed up to do X, Y, and Z. I, I originally signed up to play the sport that I ended up falling in love with. And so um, you make, you meet great people through sport. You, if you're, continue to work at it. You get to travel around the world. Sometimes it provides you an education, but at the end of the day, you signed up to have fun. So you have to make sure that's number one priority. And obviously you have to work hard to get to other places, but, um, you know, don't ever forget that. That's like rule number one. Hillary Knight. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Hillary Knight. Best of luck to you with tryouts. I, I think you're pretty good with the tryouts, but I know it's a formality. Best of luck with world championships, the Olympics. I love everything that you're doing off the ice. So keep up the great work and uh, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.